Welcome back to Beyond the Booth. I'm your host, Cameron Capers, and as always, you can follow Beyond the Booth on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also find Beyond the Sound on Twitter and Instagram at B-Y-D-T-H-E-S-O-U-N-D. Today's guest is Anthony from Blanky and Superflaw. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, so between Blanky and Superflaw, I noticed there's a lot of different influences um, that you can hear throughout your songwriting. Um, and before both of those projects started, um, who were some artists that kind of inspired you when you first started writing your own music? Um, early on, I focused on more lyrical, like singer-songwriter stuff. Mm-hmm. I was super into early Bright Eyes and uh, Elliot Smith, Town Van Sant. And I liked some older country stuff, Willie Nelson and um, you know Patsy Cline and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. but yeah there's been a lot of influences that's very cool um so i was uh introduced to just you as a musician and blanky also i didn't know that much about you guys um so can you kind of talk about when blanky originally formed and was that the first band you were part of were there bands before that ever that you were doing um so actually Superflaw was a project before blanky okay. um both Superflaw and blanky were started in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I had recorded an album with Superflaw right before moving to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So it never really got a proper release. And throughout that transition to Kansas City, um, Blanky kind of became my focus and Superflaw kind of took the backseat. Right. It's interesting. Um, and then what? Uh, when did you first move to Kansas City, actually? Um, I think that was about two and a half years ago now. Okay. And I was in Kansas City for about a year, and then we relocated to Lawrence, Kansas after that. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Have you like noticed any similar like, differences or similarities between um, North Carolina and Kansas City when it comes to like, the music scene or just like creatives in general? Um, there's actually quite a lot of similarities between Asheville and, and Lawrence, Mm -hmm. um, largely because they're both small cities, like technically, I mean, I don't really even consider them cities, but, uh, they're very arts oriented. They've got a tight knit scene. It's, they're kind of both cities that I feel like are good incubators for developing artists. I definitely agree with that because um, I've been doing Beyond the Sound for like I think five or six years at this point. Mm-hmm. Even still to this day, I'm still discovering new bands I'd never heard of before, either that like we're already around or like, just starting out, you know. So it's it's really exciting to kind of be in a scene that's always changing and always growing, and it's not just you know it gets stale or anything like that. There's always something new to discover. Um, and you're an example of that too because I just you know recently got into your music, um, and so I was wondering, yeah, you, know, you mentioned that Superfall was actually before Blinky, but when it comes to Blanky, um, from the inception up until now, can you kind of talk about how that band kind of helped you grow as an artist? How what helped me grow as an artist? Yeah. Um, oh, Blanky, I'm sorry. So the band has kind of taken or had quite a few iterations. It started off just as like a two-person collaborative recording project with mm-hmm. uh, Max Smith and I. And that was started in North Carolina. We had kind of just met each other and 
were planning to move to Kansas City shortly after meeting each other. You know, we we met and immediately started recording. And once we finished that album, our first album, it's called Baby Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of wanted to continue it because we were excited about it. So um, we took that music, came to Kansas City, and then once being once we were in Kansas City, it sort of developed into an actual band. Right. And like, how did you notice like coming here and like continuing the work you were already doing with Blanky? Like, what ways do you feel like it kind of helped you? Um, maybe become more comfortable here or just grow in your own as an artist um so it's kind of hard to acclimate to being in a new city and not knowing anybody mm-hmm. like trying to form a band that way when you know a lot of the potential collaborators are already involved in other projects right. it took a minute for us to to meet people and that was a challenge but it forced us to have to go out and perform as a two-piece just to get any sort of attention at all and to start to meet people. Right. Um, But but that was really good for Max and I, and Mm -hmm. it did end up allowing us to meet some really cool people. That's really cool. Uh, Speaking of uh, cool people, I, uh, you know, I learned who you were through Amanda records. So can you talk about how you were originally linked with them? Um, so I had, played shows as Blanky alongside some of the the manor bands like uh sean crowley who mm-hmm. is a big part of you know manor existing he plays in mama's boy and Blanky and mama's boy had played together i'd seen mama's boy play quite a few other times i'd seen r.i peter and um, they were just always around at shows, so mm-hmm. eventually we became aware of one another and aware of each other's music, and yeah, that just kind of happened organically. We were looking for somebody to release uh, the Blanky album, the second one, and they seemed to have a, kind of a built-in audience in Kansas City and and Lauren, so it felt like an appropriate fit for us. Definitely. That's really cool. Um, we talked about earlier how you said Superfall actually was before Blinky. Um, so can you talk about what initially inspired you to kind of bring Superfall back into your kind of line of sight? Um, so my really good friend and, you know, very frequent collaborator, his name's Edward Medill. Mm-hmm. He was my roommate back in North Carolina when Superflaw was kind of my main focus. And he played drums and Superflaw then, but he's kind of been involved in every record I've recorded. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to maintain that relationship with him. It didn't make sense when I first moved here because we were so far away from one another, but um we've since kind of figured out a a means of collaborating on recordings while being remote from one another right and so that's something, um yeah so like throughout all these interviews i've been doing a lot of musicians have been talking about that like trying to navigate um creating music when you're not in the same place anymore because obviously covid you know it's made it harder for people to kind of be together um, yeah. in the same area 
Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned Edward and then also Daniel Ryan, I read, was a part of the band as well. Um, so mm-hmm. can you talk about how, like, you guys came together and, like, what was the kind of a timeline of this um, fictitious as the album was super flaw? Um, how did all of this kind of come together and when did it start and when did you guys finish everything? Um, so we started making this album a couple of years ago, actually. Mm-hmm. And that was... You know, me and Ed did record like the the drums, the guitars, and the vocals live together in North Carolina. And I like to kind of have some aspect of every project, recording project I'm working on be live, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think having musicians interact with each other in real time is pretty important to kind of creating the feel of the whole record Mm -hmm. so we did those initial tracks together and then we kind of pieced everything together over time uh after that and a lot of that was done remotely that's really interesting because my first time listening through it it sounds um really cohesive and i really do agree with you when you talked about like playing live together um especially like rock music it really does add um a kind of different dimension to it as opposed to doing it separately. Um, and something I love about rock music is how versatile it can be. Um, and then my first time listening through Victitious, it kind of reaffirmed that idea for me. Um, and you mentioned like you guys played together um, for a lot of the songs. And yeah, it really kind of brings an extra like emotional element to it in a way. Um, so can you talk about why you wanted to do it together as opposed to doing everything, uh, tracking it separately? Um, I mean, I th- I feel like most of my favorite records are, created that way Mm -hmm. there was a while when i first started recording music where i did everything to a click track everything like every instrument on the track was recorded separately and you know then the songs would be finished and there'd be like a staleness to them and it, it took me a long time to identify that that staleness was coming from the fact that there was no real live chemistry between the players. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I realized that, uh, it's kind of been an important aspect to every recording I've done since then, where we play live. We also record to a tape machine and we don't use click tracks or anything. So getting that main foundation of, you know, the main people involved playing together and it being tight and feeling good. I think, you know, that translates to the listener. They can feel that whether it's consciously or subconsciously, there's some kind of magic that happens there. No, definitely. I agree with you. Um, And it was interesting. You brought that up because my brother and I are both musicians. We're both self-taught. We never really took lessons or anything. And so growing up, I almost had this idea that I had to, uh, kind of listen to music that was like well produced and like everything is super clean, you know, and everything's on track. Um, but now that I've gotten older, um, maybe around like high school, like in my early twenties, I've kind of realized like it's okay for music to be um, not messy, but you know, have those little like imperfections in it and have that like kind of organic feel to it because that makes it more. I'm not real, but it is kind of adds like you said that kind of extra magic to it. Um, and I definitely agree with you. I was actually watching um a Netflix documentary about Jay Dilla. And he said the same thing, how he doesn't use metronomes and stuff, or he didn't before he passed away. And a lot of the times, you know, he's making beats. And it was like a lot of times it wasn't, you know, a metronome or anything. 
and some of his best stuff, you know, was made that way. So I think it's kind of interesting how that mindset can kind of translate across genres as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I feel like uh, a lot of like old school rap stuff where it's sampled, records sampled from vinyl onto tape, like you can you can hear that rawness. And I feel mm-hmm. like so many contemporary albums feel sterile like because they're totally digital and like i feel like when you're tracking each track separately it does kind of take some humanity out of the recording Mm -hmm. no i agree with that i think sometimes yeah especially producers and songwriters can get so obsessed with everything being perfect that they kind of you know strip away you said that magic from it where they're just trying so hard to make everything perfect it kind of takes away from the initial uh song itself um, so something else I noticed when I listened to this album was um, your vocals and the lyrics um, are really vulnerable, which I love that. I'm a huge like lyric person. I love like studying lyrics and reading um, different songwriters' point of views on things. Um, and I mentioned, like, I could really hear the emotion in your voice throughout the music. Um, and I just wanted to know, has that been, like, always easier for you to be, like, vulnerable with your lyrics? Or was that something that kind of took time for you um, over the years as you've been writing more music? Um. I mean, that was something I was always attracted to in songwriting. I feel like a lot of the more visceral reactions I've had to music have come from listening to music where the artists are putting themselves in a really vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. They're kind of disclosing their true feelings about the stuff they're going through and they're doing it poignantly and well and creatively. And so I think there's always been an element to that in my process because mm-hmm. I've just been trying to emulate the people I like and what I like about music. Definitely. Um, I actually mentioned this to uh, R.I.P. or I interviewed him not too long ago. Um, Haley Williams from Paramore. She actually released two albums over the past year. And yeah, if you're looking for something new, like lyrically, I highly recommend listening to those because her yeah her lyricism is just like insane to me the way she says things um and i gotta find myself like thinking about something she said like days later you know that's what i Mm -hmm. love about music it kind of forces you to think about things and you can kind of take away a different meaning than someone else you know um so yeah she's definitely a great example if you're looking for something like lyrically to be inspired by i've been telling everyone to listen to that because they're both really amazing albums but um get back on track here um i also read that you were inspired by 90s alt rock um and when i was listening to the project i could definitely hear a lot of inspiration um and can you kind of talk about some of those bands from that time specifically that kind of inspired you as well um so you know some of the big ones are uh super chunk and a lot of the artists associated with merge records um everyone in the band at that in Superfall was like pretty into the magnetic fields, um, all of David Berman's projects, mm-hmm. Silver Jews. Uh, we were into Pavement as well, and uh, definitely early Bright Eyes. I think a lot of what we liked about like those artists are is the production of the albums, and mm-hmm. obviously the songwriting is great, but they kind of have that rawness and there's something about albums from the early nineties, mid nineties that were kind of self-produced very DIY. And, but they're some of my favorite recordings. 
Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I could definitely hear a lot of that '90s, um, in the, like, mid to late '90s influence for sure. Um, like growing up, I didn't listen to a lot of like indie rock that much until I got older. Um, when I was listening to this album specifically, um, I'm not sure if you've listened to it at all, but it reminded me of like early Foo Fighters in a way, like just the kind of jam band vibe to it. Um, and like Nirvana, I heard a little bit of that in there, just a kind of like '90s punk kind of sound, uh, which I like. Obviously, that's what I was like raised on listening to. Um, yeah yeah there's definitely you can hear that kind of like it has a nostalgic almost feel to it i was listening to this album and it's it's really good like i said so um yeah i'm just a huge fan of rock music so listening to this through is just like it was great for me because um like i said rock music is so versatile and there's so many different ways you can go with it without really you know um emulating someone else which i think is really cool um and so some we mentioned the pandemic earlier and obviously um live music is still up in the air right now but um I'm really excited to hear this album live at some point because it's really good. And I was just wondering, uh, as we're blind down here, uh, moving forward throughout this year, do you have anything specific you want to get done with Superflow? Are you kind of just releasing things when you uh, feel it's right to do so? Um, so there is the potential for Superflow to perform live. I don't know that we're going to be touring that much as a group. Um, kind of the focus for this year is more so on blanky we've got another album we're trying to finish up and we're currently rebooking a tour that was canceled this year with uh, our friends from omaha and how is the name of their band okay so and how and blanky are putting together a tour for uh september or an early fall Mm -hmm. it might not happen but Right, yeah, it's it's been really hard to kind of gauge things this past year. Um, yeah, and obviously the vaccine kind of helps things, but just yeah, the timeline is still just kind of blurry, so um, it's hard to kind of plan things. But as far as blanky goes, um, the new music, do you plan on doing stuff this year or next year, or like, do you have an idea of where the new album's gonna go direction wise? Um, we're we're definitely we're so we're about halfway done with the record, mm-hmm. and I feel like at that point you kind of get a better idea of what the whole thing will sound like once half of it's done you know what's missing and what needs to be added and so we definitely have a pretty cohesive idea of what it's going to look like but we never really got to tour behind our most recent record no summertime so when we do perform live it'll probably be sort of an equal mix of songs from our most recently released record and the one that we're still finishing up now that's really interesting and i wasn't wondering actually about speaking about live music um do you ever find yourself like when you're writing the songs have you ever been in a position where you kind of like will play them live to see how it goes or you do kind of like wait until the music's fully done and then you perform it live um no i definitely perform songs live pretty early on in their mm-hmm. existence usually before they're recorded for sure Mm -hmm. that's interesting um yeah i've definitely have friends in other bands have done that um and it's actually yeah it's a good idea kind of you know gives you an idea of uh what you want to change about and what you like about it you know because sometimes a fan's reaction can kind of gauge things a little bit better than you you know just sitting in your room or whatever doing it by yourself and kind of being in your own head about it um so yeah i am really excited to see uh, what you do with blanky and super flaw uh, like I said, I'm a new fan, so I'm still learning more about you guys, but I really like what you're doing, and I think you have a really cool sound. 
Cool. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and um, yeah, whenever shows are fully open, I would love to definitely set something up with uh, Manor Records and you guys and get some live shows. That would be really fun to do because, uh, yeah, it's it's been definitely rough being away from live music, but obviously uh, people's health is more important, so you kind of have to prioritize things right now. But um, I appreciate your time speaking with me. This was really cool. Like I said, I'm very excited to see what you guys do next, and I'll definitely uh, keep my eye out for it. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on, and yeah, hopefully we'll get to see you soon. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate it. You have a good day, okay? No problem. You do the same. Thanks.